Good morning, brothers and sisters in the Orange County region of the LA Church. I am so grateful to be able to speak to the church this morning, uh, albeit virtually. Please know that it is my heart's desire that I wish I could be there in person. Uh, one, just to be able to meet you, but number two, you guys are you in LA. That's just that's just great weather. I would love to be there uh, rather than sitting in my basement, which I now refer to as the Barnett Studios, uh, since I've been filming and recording so many different messages lately. Uh, I'm enthusiastic about your theme for 2021, which is Renew. And as I understand Renew, it just simply means to, to make things new again. And so the title of today's message is, is really simple. I'm gonna talk about a renewed love. And here's the deal. I got some good news and I got some bad news. So which would you rather hear first, the good news or the bad news? Now, I ask that question because it really doesn't matter because I, I can't hear you or see your response. And uh, and I'm going to share this anyway, how I wanted to in the first place. So uh, let me give you the bad news. And I want to start off by sharing some words from the Apostle Paul found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is not my main text this morning, but I want to start here uh, because I want to give you some bad news. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, Paul writes to young Timothy, and he says in verse 1, he says, mark this, there are going to be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. First of all, I'm not going to get into all the explanation of the last days. I don't think that's really relevant to the message today anyway. It appears that we're always living in the last days. Uh, I've been preaching now for 26 years, which means there are sermons that I've been able to re-preach multiple times. I will let you know that today is not one of those uh, sermons and not one of those days. But I have referenced this text before, and I think in two sermons over the last two and a half decades. And one of the things I observed as I was uh, studying out this text over the past week, with, re, with each reiteration of the sermons, my feelings about the world as Paul lays them out here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 does not seem to get better. And when Paul is talking about all these 20 demonstrative human traits of people in the world, humanity, and the trajectory of people as he saw it during his time, I'm not encouraged by it at all. In fact, uh, I remember preaching this years ago, and again, this could just be me, but I do not think humanity has gotten better. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm getting older, so perhaps I'm just sensitive how I experience the world and people around me, but I just don't feel like that when I'm preaching this right now, that people are better than it was when I preached it 10 to 12 years ago. But maybe it's, it's just me. Maybe humanity is not as bad as I would imagine it to be. And perhaps with all the media outlets, I'm just exposed more to everything that's going on in the world. I, I will give it that. Maybe people do not love themselves more than they love God as I might imagine them to be. 
And maybe people do not love money as much as I imagine them to love money. And when I say them, I'm including myself in it. Maybe people uh, are not as boastful and not as abusive or proud as I imagine them to be. Maybe children are obedient by and large. Maybe people are more grateful or self-controlled uh, than I imagine them to be. Maybe people are more loving than I imagine them to be. But Paul here lists these 20 demonstrative traits that I just can't, I can't avoid and I can't ignore. And I, I, and I see them manifesting themselves at our present moment in the world. This is really the bad news. But I don't know about you, Paul's words, I think, could succinctly describe our current culture and the present moment in which we live. You know, in my new role as the chief evangelist for Hope Worldwide, I've been able to speak to a, a number of churches, particularly across the United States over the last couple of months. And every church and every audience is very different. And each church has its own needs. And so I will just tell you as an evangelist, it's always my desire to have a message that I believe uh, to be relevant and to meet needs. And so that is my hope and prayer today as I begin to frame this message and to put in the context right now of the bad news in which I see. Recently, I read an article uh, from some social scientists as they were describing the year of 2020. And really 2021 has just been an extension to 2020, but they called it an endless panic attack and said that people are experiencing what they call cultural depression and cultural anxiety. It seems like that the entire planet right now, all of humanity is, is anxious and frustrated and fatigued. I know I am sometimes. We all, all of us are living under this global pandemic, which is having significant economic and emotional ramifications all across the board. As a church leader in the early part of the year, I have experienced unprecedented uh, emotional experiences from disciples, many of which who have uh, really felt the stress of all that's going on in the world and can't emotionally handle it. And all of this has taken place within a divisive political climate in the US coupled by uh, tenuous racial discourse all across the nation. Meanwhile, social media is serving as a catalyst to uh, the rapid spread of such anger and vitriol that takes place between human beings, which increasingly widens the fractures that exist between people, groups, and nations. So that's the bad news. So here's the good news. So what do we do? Is there any good news? And I believe as disciples of Jesus, there is always good news when we, we focus our minds on Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do today and to give you some good news. I want to give you some good news by sharing words from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he described the world and the trajectory of the world and humanity in which he lived. And I want to reference scripture here, John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. This would be one of my main texts here uh, this morning. And Jesus says here in verse 34, talking about being renewed, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we read this, I don't know about you, the obvious thing that jumps out to me is that Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command. 
I'm, I'm giving you something new. And so this is not a new opinion uh, from Jesus or a new suggestion or a new idea or a new possibility. No, Jesus says this is a new command. And when Jesus gives us a command as disciples of Jesus, we must first recognize the authority that Jesus has on us. So we have this new command. The second thing we can ask ourselves is, well, what's so new about this new commandment? It doesn't seem to be new because in the Old Testament, we're taught to love other people. In fact, in Leviticus 19:18, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that wasn't new. The newness about this was what Jesus said, as I have loved you. Now, if we look into John 13, there is also an opportunity here for us. And hopefully you can see it within the text. Once we learn to love like Jesus, then the world will know that we are disciples of Jesus. In other words, disciples aren't necessarily recognizable because we read our Bibles or that we come to church on a consistent basis or that we may serve in the children's ministry or that we have a prayer life. Those are all great and good. And they're important, and many people do these, and that is awesome. But according to Jesus, the world will recognize Jesus' disciples by the way in which we love one another. Jesus says here, as I have loved you, you must love one another. And when Jesus said that to the disciples there, and he says, as I have loved you, I don't think they went around guessing, trying to figure out, well, well, what did he mean by as he has loved us? Because in the earlier part of John chapter 13, Jesus actually modeled for them the kind of love he was talking about. So if we go back to verse one of John chapter 13, it reads like this. It says it was just before Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them, and the Bible says, the full extent of his love. So in John 13, the early part, he's now showing his disciples the full extent of his love. Well, what did that look like? If you read the rest of John 13, I won't do it for the sake of time. Jesus takes off his outer garment. He puts a towel around his waist and he gets a basin full of water and he walks in and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Then in 12, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put back on his clothes and returned to his place. And Jesus says to his disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is who I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If we were to go back to first century uh, time where Jesus is there, I would say this, Jesus showed them the full extent of his love by doing the dirty work. That's what I like to call it. He did the dirty work. And what I mean by that, in those days, everyone, almost everyone walked everywhere they went. There were roads and paths were full of dirt, wasn't necessarily pavement. There were probably no socks they wore. They probably wore sandals. There were no sidewalks. They were sweaty and dirty. So everyone's feet was 
just caked with dirt. And so when you entered a home, there would always be a servant there to, to wash your feet as you came into somebody's home. That was the dirty work. And Jesus showed them the full extent of his love by dressing up as a servant, humbling himself as a servant, dressing like a servant, acting like a servant, and getting down and washing his disciples' feet. Back in the summer of 1993, a young man named Chris Dunn walked up to me as I was coming out of a Kinko's in Atlanta, Georgia. And he invited me to a small group Bible study he called a Bible talk. And at the time, my wife, Tammy and I, we had already started a Bible study group in our home and we did it and it didn't go well. And so when this young man asked me to come to the Bible talk, I came home and told Tammy, I said, look, we're going to go to this Bible talk on Friday. We're going to see what they do. And then we're going to try to implement that because I don't know what I'm doing with the small group that I have in my home. And I remember showing up at his house on Friday and there was a, and a room full of just diverse people age, race, culture, and we were eating food. And I mean, we sat down to do a, a, a Bible study and we started talking about who's the greatest. I will never forget this Bible study or this Bible talk. And we were talking about who's the greatest, who's the greatest NBA player ever. And people were raising their hands and talking about Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Larry Bird and other players. And some were saying, well, who's the best boxer of all time? Is it Tyson? Is it Muhammad Ali? Is it Sugar Ray Leonard? And so people started talking about who's the greatest. I remember someone said, well, Muhammad Ali was great because he was great, but he also told you he was. And then we began to talk about, well, what makes people great? And how can we help one another be great? And I remember the, the brother Chris raised his hand and said, anybody here want to help me to be great? And people raised their hands. And then we took like a two, three minute fellowship break and people started talking. And then his brother walked back in the room dressed in a robe and some slippers. And he had a towel thrown over his shoulder and he had a big basin of water. And he sat down in the middle of the floor and he says, for all of you who raised your hands to help make me a person who was great, I would ask that you would please take off your shoes and allow me to wash your feet. And I sat there that day looking at him, thinking to myself, who in the world would want to wash someone's feet. But I also was so inspired by that act that I will tell you within 18 months of going to that Bible talk, I had studied that Bible, became a disciple of Jesus, at 11 months quit my job working with a pharmaceutical company and entered the full-time ministry because I saw somebody willing to do the dirty work. I'm still inspired today and faithful to the Lord because I'm always surrounded by people who want to do the dirty work. And doing the dirty work is really a model of how we are to love people. I'm so grateful to have the last 27 years been able to be a servant and a participant uh, with Hope Worldwide. And even more grateful that I've now been able to join the leadership team this past fall of Hope Worldwide and to be around just great servants and inspiring people all over the world who are serving and giving generously, many of which I know are probably in the Orange County region right now. So I thank you for, for your service and your heart to do the dirty work. You know, just three chapters later in the Gospel of John, as we were to stay in the Gospel, John 21, there's a conversation that takes place between Peter and Jesus. 
And if you recall, Peter had denied knowing Jesus three times at the Garden of uh, Gethsemane. And now this is post-resurrection. Jesus come back and he's having this conversation. And this is where Jesus and Peter get into a conversation about love. And Jesus is asking Peter directly if Peter loves him. And Peter is responding back. Now, I won't read all of it, but I want to read the part where they're having the conversation about love. Starting in verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Peter was hurt because he asked a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, uh, it's unfortunate in the English language that we really only have one word uh, to express love. For example, I could tell you right now that I love ESPN and I love football. Uh, I love seafood, but I also love steak. I love traveling. I love the church. I love the body of Christ. I love my wife, Tammy. I love my children, Peyton, Trey, and Jordan. I love Jesus. I love God. And I love the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love the Bible that I hold here. Uh, and I also love the computer that I'm using right here. I love my home. And, and you can't see it, but I have a, a, a pen that I have sitting here. I love that pen as well. That, that tree behind me, I love that image of that tree. When I saw it, I thought, I love that. I got to have it. I, I'm sharing these things with you because that tree in the background, I love it. But do I love it like I love my wife or do I love it like I love God or I love Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. See, the English language does not allow us to have or to express the, the depth or the degrees of love, but the Greek language does. There are six or seven words used to express love. Four of them are used in scripture, and two of them are used right here in John chapter 21 that I wanted to point out. When Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, Jesus is using the word agape. Agape is the highest form of love there is. Agape is the kind of love that can only be defined by really looking at the character of God. In fact, in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world, he loved the world, agape the world, that he gave his one and only son. Agape is a sacrificial, um, unconditional, generous, expressive, divine love that we can display to one another and toward God. Peter responds using another Greek word, which is phileo. Now, that's a great word. That's the word that in the church, as brothers and sisters, we experience. It is a love of affection. It is a love that is called brotherly love. It is a love of friendship. So when Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, you know, I phileo you. And then Jesus asked him a second time, do you agape me? And Peter responds, you know, I phileo you. And then the third time, Jesus says, well, do you phileo love me? And Peter says, you know, I phileo love you. Now, I will give it, give the credit here. Uh, Peter was being honest. I, I phileo love you, but I love the compassion of Jesus who says, you know what? 
even though you're not in the present moment right now to agape me, I'm going to come down to where you are and I'm going to accept your phileo love. But that's got to change. Phileo love works. So if you can remember anything from this message today, remember this simple thing. We need to love like Jesus loved. And the solution to everything that we got going on in the world is love. Paul says love never fails. But he didn't say phileo love never fails. He says agape love never fails. And so it's important for us to understand that uh, when I talk about love today, that we need love. We need a renewed love. I'm not speaking of a phileo love. I'm not speaking of a friendship, affection love, even though those are great and we need those in the body of Christ. But when you are moving and journeying through a world that is politicized, racialized, pandemic, weather, all those things going on that are very complicated, where people are divided all the time, phileo love won't cut it. We need the kind of agape love that will allow us to love like Christ. We need to renew our sense of love and raise the bar. Let me give you an example. In the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew five, six, and seven, got the Beatitudes a part of it. Jesus talks about our relational connection with one another and he, and he uses love. And I love this part in verse 43 of chapter five. And Jesus says, you have heard it was said. So he has this phrase in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it was said, and then he would say what they had heard. And then he would go, and I tell you, and then he would raise the bar to something else. So there is a part in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So if, if they're sitting there, they would go, yep, that's pretty much the standard. You, you love your neighbor and you, you hate your enemy. Yep, that, that is the standard. That is also the standard we have in our world. It could easily be said, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor or love your brother or love those who love you. But when you have an enemy, what you do with an enemy is you hate your enemy and you can hate your enemy by fighting your enemy, uh, killing your enemy, uh, ignoring your enemy, avoiding your enemy, uh, defending yourself against your enemy. These are all the ways that the worldly standard is how we treat enemies. And then we love our neighbor. Then Jesus comes back and says in verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Do you see how Jesus just raised the bar of agape love? We are to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. If I was to ask you the question today, do you love your enemies? And do you pray for your enemies? Or do we basically do the standard, you have heard it was said, love those who love you and, and really hate your enemies? That's an that's a okay standard that may or may not work for those in the world, but for those who follow Jesus, Jesus is raising the bar. One day I was so convicted about this, I, I took out a piece of paper and I started making a list of all the people that I considered an enemy. 
and I won't go through right now, we'll probably discuss you, but you know, some of these were people in, in, in my church that I saw post stuff on Facebook that I didn't believe or agree with. And I just could not, I could not wrap my mind around what they were saying. And I remember the first thing I did was click unfriend. And I thought to myself, I know I go to church with this brother or sister, but I'm, I don't have to see this on my social media thread, unfriend. And I remember I unfriended them. And then I got really convicted because I was unfriending them, treating them like an enemy versus trying to love them and trying to pray for them. Even though they didn't agree with what I agreed with. Loving our neighbor is what we might call low-hanging fruit, but Jesus is raising the bar. We are commanded to love our enemies. We are to love those also who are not our brothers and sisters. We are called to love those who do not look like us. We are called to love those who don't think the way we think. We are called to love those to whom we disagree. We are called to love those to whom they don't vote like we vote. We are called to love the unlovable. We are called to love wealthy people who appear to glory in their riches. And we are also to love poor people who seem to cheat the system. We are to love all people and we are to especially love one another. Again, I remind us phileo love is we have to have that brother love, that love of friendship, that love of affection. But I will say it again, it is insufficient when we live in a world that is divided and full of sin. The only love that works is agape, one that is unconditional, one that is sacrificial, and one that is very generous. As I close out here today, uh, I want to reference a sermon from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He preached in 1963. It was entitled Loving Your Enemies, and it was later published in his book, Strength to Love. And he says this, now this is in his context and time. He says, with every ounce of energy, we must continue to rid this nation of the incubus of segregation. He says, but we shall not, and I think this is very important, we shall not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love. I love that. We shall not relinquish our privilege and obligation to love. He goes on to say, while abhorring segregation, we shall at the same time love the segregationists. While we shall have a disdain for racism, we shall love the racist. We shall also abhor injustice while loving the instruments of injustice. And he says, this is the only way that we can create the beloved community. You know, I started this message this morning reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 and his words as he began to see the trajectory of hum humanity during the time in which he lived. And I tried to imagine something different, something different if disciples of Jesus, those who know better, came together and realized that Jesus has given us a command, a new command, that we shall love other people, love one another in particular, as he has loved us. He modeled for it, he modeled it for us, and he also taught it. And so if we began to do that, what might a, an updated version of 2 Timothy chapter 3 read? And I wrote it out. In the last days, people will be lovers of others, lovers of generosity, humble, compassionate, obedient to their parents, 
grateful, holy, full of love, forgiving, encouraging, self-controlled, merciful, lovers of the good, faithful, considerate, careful, modest, lovers of God rather than lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness and embracing its power, have everything to do with them. So when you see some, someone complaining about all that is going on in the world right now, simply say, Jesus has a solution. We need to raise the bar. We need to raise the bar on how we love one another. The love of friendship, phileo, while needed is not enough in troubling times. We need to love like Jesus love and to have an agape love. May the Lord be lifted up and glorified in this message here today, amen. Thank you guys for having me. What an incredible worship service. As we come to a close, I wanna remind us what I mentioned at the beginning of our worship, that we are a diverse family with small groups and with worship centers throughout Orange County. And so if you're visiting with us, if you're beginning to engage, uh, we want to encourage you, please contact us through our social media or you can send us uh, an email. We look forward to connecting with you. It's been great being together. Have a great day.